Welcome to the Legion Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Legion on FX. I'm Jason. And I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this is the Legion Podcast, episode four. <laughs> you know, some people have said, uh, told me they can't tell us apart sometimes when we're speaking. Well, and we're just the voices in their head, so. Yeah. I think there's, there's only one of us, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you guys get that on your other podcasts? Oh, yeah. You do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they can tell us apart. They just don't know our names, essentially. Right, right. Which I have trouble with. You know who I have trouble telling apart is uh, Justin and Travis McElroy. Cannot tell them apart to mm. save my life. I don't know who they are, so. They're I, podcasters. I can't either. <laughs> are they my <laughs> brother and me? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got to check that out. Oh, what do you guys think? Uh, this was like the money episode. Uh, in some ways, it was. I, I mean, I'm, I mean, where they spent the money—that's what I meant. Oh, right, with all the fancy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did they call it? Spectral, astral, astral, astral plane, plane graphics. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually. So I don't think this episode is for me. You didn't it's, like it. Well, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't want to engage with it on the level that it wants me to engage with it, which uh-huh. is like what is real and what isn't. I've seen so many of those shows over the last few years that I'm kind of tired of engaging on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just kind of want to sit back and enjoy the ride that it's taking me on. So I did enjoy the episode. I just didn't – I don't feel like I got into the spirit that they wanted me in through the whole episode. Yeah, I mean, I think last week we were talking about how that was getting a bit tired and we were glad that it seemed to be veering away from that and then it just right. came right back to it and hit it really hard this week. Yeah, yeah and i that's the um it's one. this is a show that is sometimes frustrating to be a podcaster for because i think this show is best to just kind of kick back and relax and let it wash over you and not be like what the hell is going on what the hell why is she jumping out of this guy's body why is this is right. like why is she saying they're the, the, the these people are watching are they it, it, and that should be part of the fun but as someone who profession is supposedly to try to get to the bottom of all this stuff and lead a discussion on it it sometimes gets in the way of enjoying just yeah. the the thing happening because <laughs> you have to you're you're you know we're, we're paid right to like take stands on things and have takes and this show kind of confounds it and sometimes um i think also like uh alan Seppenwall put this a lot more diplomatically than i would have but i feel like this show is also constantly teetering on being up its own ass um and and having too much Fargo mixed into it like I like yeah. Jermaine Clement, oh, yeah. but that cold open on him I'm just like WTF is happening here and I end up warming up to him I think he was the hi- one of the highlights of the episode mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff coming at you fast and furious and like what's real and who's real and if, is this a man or a woman that stuff um it's I, I've seen lesser shows. Um, substitute that for actual plot and character, right? Like, like Mr. Robot season two, mm. I think is a is a classic example of the cleverness and intricately wovenness of the stuff that they're doing a tricker on the trickery level, standing in for actual plot and character development. And I'm not saying the show is doing that, but that's certainly the thing I'm got my guard up against. Well. That kind of leads me into my first point. So you guys mind if I go first this week? Let's go. You got to tell us what you thought yeah, about you the say, too, Yeah, though. you got to oh. say what you think. <laughs> um, I dug it. I mean, I think it 
worked on multiple levels, so it wasn't relying on all that stuff. But if you just wanted to engage with it on that, just trying to figure out what was real and what wasn't, that um, you could do that. But I think there's a lot more going on in the craft of the show and also just different levels of psychology. I mean, it's not as deep as some of the best shows, but it is not just surface level stuff. So I, I like the way it all mixed together and I thought it was really exciting too. And there were some funny moments and um, some kind of, even though we're trained on this show to sort of look at every little thing and question whether it's real, when he found out that, or they found out that he never had a dog, I was still like, Oh shit that's pretty cool and it also tells us that he's been like this since he was a kid imagining phantoms and things so you know it was just a little mini mind-blowing moment <laughs> uh, so have I, they, I, I liked it have they been really harping on this dog thing because i don't remember it very much from previous episodes and they reveal it like if it was this big moment where it should be an aha sort of thing and it was for the doctor but it I, or it was for Sid rather, but it wasn't really for me because I felt like they hadn't teased it enough. Last week when Paper Mache had was uh, chasing him around, he had his dog with him. So okay. we've seen it before. Hmm. But that's that's the only thing I can really well, remember. M- my ears perked up because we're gonna. I think increasingly we're gonna have to d- confine some of this comic discussion into the spoiler section. But mm-hmm. you know, based on our spoiler discussion of last week, I thought it was super interesting that his dog was named King. Like my eyebrows oh, shot up. My yeah. eyebrows shot up up above my scalp. They were floating in the <laughs> astral plane above my head when when that was invoked. It does make you yeah think of the dog in a mm-hmm. new light. Mm-hmm. Man's best friend thing. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just talking about, I don't know if this is exactly what you're getting at, but how some shows, you know, you feel like, okay, I have to dig into this, but I kind of don't really want to. That reminded me of, um, do you guys watch Ash versus Evil Dead? Yeah. I watched a little bit of the, uh, ha- I think half the first season. So I haven't seen the whole thing. We're podcasting about that, and half the time we just end up repeating funny lines and laughing on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> yeah, re- all you can do. recapping pure action or pure comedy mm-hmm. is ext- is extremely hard to say because it, you're, you're right. The only discussion is, wasn't it cool when or wasn't it funny when? And yeah. you come off like Chris <laughs> Farley on his interview show back in SNL. Exactly. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. right. Well, let's not do that. So my my first one is is what is real because that was the theme of the episode early on. Sid says, what's real? That's the mission. And I think the episode plays with reality on different levels. And there's the obvious question of what actually happened versus false memories, hallucinations, false realities mm-hmm. and all that. But it's also ties into the nature of reality as we perceive it in the real world you know i like how this show has mutant psychology but then it gets me thinking about actual psychology mm-hmm. and so like for example sid saying i was looking for the man i loved or did i just love the idea of him the face he showed me and i feel like when you're in any relationship that's a question most of us end up asking when we're a little ways into it and the person does something that's like oh that's not who I thought they were and I'm not sure I like it. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, maybe I'm just idealizing this person. So what is real? And I have to sort of re or just sort of uh, ignore it and pretend you didn't see it, but it, it, you know, it gets you thinking about reality that there's identity too. 
Sid saying, who are we really, if not the stories we tell ourselves? And this, it, at one point, uh, Patonomy, you know, they go into the doctor's office and she sees the curtains are different. And he says that, you know, your memories are unreliable. And uh, that's true. It's it, our memories are unreliable. And it made me feel like, OK, if we're sort of the sum of our experience and our experiences are actually not what really happened because our memories are unreliable, then uh, reality isn't exactly what any of us think it is. Right. That's, then, I mean, you're, you're going into Morpheus ter- territory. Yeah. What is real? If real is what you experience, then it's just the chemical reaction in your brain, right? And, the, and this got me thinking. Of, I brought it up a couple episodes ago of this friend of mine who was schizophrenic in college and started having these acute hallucinogenic episodes. Uh, we were walking along the beach, and he saw a sea lion that was beached and dead, and he thought our friend killed it and dragged it up there for him to find and it, stuff like that was happening every day. And after a while, it felt contagious. Like I just started losing a little bit of connection. And I've never had anything like that at any other time in my life. But just being around him and this show, watching it started <laughs> to make me feel like that again. Like I could see, you know, it, it's how reality is kind of, we think it, of this objective reality. And I do believe there is one. But I think also that it's it reality is at least as far as human beings are concerned we build up stories of what it all is and it's kind of built together like uh, a structure in our minds and mapped onto what's real so this episode reminded me of all that and and you know how um poor david his he doesn't have a very good map and it feels like it's changing all the time yeah, and an observation attack on the years is when you mentioned that Sid said, you know, what's real, uh, that's the mission. And then at the halfway point of the episode when she said, the girlfriend, that's the mission. And they kept on saying – and I, that's where I started to get like, okay, are am I – is this – and I, I'm wondering this about a lot of stuff with the Hollies uh, work at this point that, that I'll go on to later. But like is that just kind of like a lyrical thing? That this that 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 using that same phrase um, as as just kind of like um, a stylistic thing, or is he? Are we supposed to be getting the 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 impression that even Sid's losing the plot? Mm-hmm. Like she started off trying to figure out what's real or what's fantasy, and then halfway through the episode, that's out the window, and they they're just accepting everything at face value and it's real. And now the mission is to find you know like like this very literal chain of clues, even though they're going to. It, it it ultimately leads them to a set that looks like it's something out of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, like this crazy funhouse light, you know, a lighthouse deal. And that's that's where I get like I start to throw up my hands. I'm like, well, because this could all just be a bunch of stylistic stuff and this is all real. And, you know, the only thing that's really not real was like that I decloaked at the end and, and he, he was – Somehow doing a mental projection and making himself look like the doctor and everything else is real. But it could be that, like, from two episodes ago, they're still stuck in David's mind and they're yeah. being chased by Right. AI or this whole and, fucking series could just be uh, one giant delusion because mm-hmm. it right. does feel like a delusion, a schizophrenic delusion. Right. And, and, <laughs> and to the extent that the switch has gone all the way to fantasy, I would find it very disappointing. And to the extent that it's more back towards the switches, like full reality, that's where I kind of want the series. 
I mean, it's fine to like throw us a curveball here and there in a in an episode, but if, like you kind of if you could go back three or four or five episodes to recontextualize, boy Noah, I hope that's a really awesome reveal <laughs> because yeah. to justify it. Yeah, it's it, to me, it's always in these kind of shows about developing a language that that firmly grounds us wherever wherever we are. So if if the language can tell you uh, visually or through other cues that you are in reality now. Um, that's a positive thing when you have a show that's trying to say, hey, some of this might not be real. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be overt, like it doesn't have to be obvious and hit you over the head, but it does need to be there. And I think there are some things in this show that they're doing, um, that they're putting in actively that that indicate to us where we might be. So like throughout this whole episode, Sid is seeing the angriest boy in the world, right? Um, And she seems to be seeing him in reality, Mm-hmm. in in what we understand yeah. as the objective physical right. world. Uh, now, there are also some other indicators that say maybe that isn't the case and maybe they're, in fact, not in that world. So, or they're not in the real world. Like, if you notice in one of the shots where they're in Summerland, the goat statue in the center of the atrium mm-hmm. sort of thing there has changed to a wolf. Right. So, with with kind of what you touched on, Jason, with, you know, this idea of... Um, maybe David sees things as they are not. You know, he sees this dog that wasn't actually a dog. Um, he sees this goat that isn't actually a goat. It's, in fact, a wolf or or the other way around. Maybe that's one of the indicators telling us we're not, in fact, in the real world in one of these, in one of these timelines, one of these episodes. I, but I think the point is to make us feel schizophrenic and lose our connection with reality. So right. I think they're deliberately not doing that. They they want us to feel uncomfortable. And Can I say that's a show I'm not interested in right, watching? Right. That's like I don't want to go crazy. Sorry, Noah, Noah Holly. <laughs> well also the can't like I, I get what you're saying like there's also a point of view that an episode is supposed to have and when things are from like David's point of view or someone else that's like profoundly disturbed, I'm fine with that stuff happening. But then when we when we go away from David and we're following uh, Melanie walking around the, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the knockoff X Men office, uh, I shouldn't have to worry about whether something over her shoulder is real or not. Like that should be, I, I mean, that's that's my opinion anyway. Like I I, I don't want to read a well, fucking a fucking William Faulkner novel. I don't want to try to figure out, you know, which point of view this is and whether it's. And it's, some people do, you know, and that's yeah. great for them. This well, might be the show for them. Try being schizophrenic. Yeah, no, it's no fun. I'm sure. <laughs> if, if you're I, I questioning, mean, I really not think only that's that is, and and I think you know, last episode, he it moved more towards a grounded feeling, if I remember right, and mm-hmm. I think he did that on purpose to make us feel like, okay, okay, we're getting our footing now, and then this is the midpoint. You know, we're four episodes in, it just shook it, shook it up, and you know made us question whether anything we knew was right well i want to i want i want to throw another log on jim's fire here something i noticed was this circular ladder like this chain link ladder that uh, david climbed clum climbed to get in and out (laughs) of uh oliver's little astral niche that he had carved out for himself 
that motif was repeated all over the place in the quote unquote real world. It was mm-hmm. in Philly's his his ex girlfriend's earrings. It was in the thing the device was holding back her hair. It was in the belt that Carrie was wearing when she was on her mission. Like that that uh, circular structure thing was repeated. And I I so I'm going to push back a little bit on you saying that this is supposed to make us feel like a. Um, you know, some someone going through a, some kind of psych, psychic, psychic or psychotic break, and say that these are also perhaps, along with the goat turning into wolf, clues that something has happened in one of these things where they're all inside David's head that has has has, and, and we're supposed to understand that none of this is quote unquote real. You know, the other clue would be at the end, the, the climax, the uh, the eye sitting there sipping coffee or tea as bull just a hail of bullets are ripping through right and no one building. actually getting hit by the bullets right um well except for we don't carry gets hit at the end so here here's another thing i'm gonna i'm gonna put on the scale here is i, I actually think the vast majority if not every single bit of this episode takes place in david's memories and the astral plane um because I don't I don't know exactly what the eye's powers are, but we certainly know that he can see David when he kind of traveled into that room where they were interrogating his sister. Right. Uh, he saw both David and Sid. So he has some kind of view into I guess an astral plane of sorts where David was traveling. Uh and he I don't know if his ability is to morph into different people, but if this were the astral plane, maybe he has control over that to the point where he could become someone else. Uh, in that plane. Right. And the one other thing, there was someone that posted on the Reddit uh, post episode thread that right before the truck goes off the road, mm-hmm. there's this sign in the background <laughs> that's literally like a traffic sign that is a, a stylized cartoon version of the truck that was like a warning of it going off the road and it says uncertainty ahead weird so i'm like that to me once i saw that i'm like okay noah hall is essentially this is this he's he's playing a game and trying to tell us that this because like i mean i I want to i mean i might not be describing it well enough but it literally is a cartoon image of their box truck Mm -hmm. jump going off of a cliff right before the 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 thing the it it, you know david manifests in the road and and it and it and it wrecks so I do feel like that we're that that he's playing little games like that with us. I mean, the whole look of the series, the style, the the sisters' hair. People, for the most part, don't look like that. They don't wear clothes like this. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they don't have big giant tape recorders with actual tape looping around. I think the whole visual language of the series is meant to not not be grounded in reality and. I think all of that could end up making some kind of literal sense by the end of this, but Uh I suspect that it won't and that it's kind of a poetry of this series. And I feel like if there's going to be any series where it's okay to have things feel weird and off, like off that this is the series to do that, but it could all end up making sense and I'm okay with it either way. But um, I'm also okay with people who aren't okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might be right about that. And that's what I mean when kind of, I don't, I didn't want to really engage it on that level, like picking out the details and saying, is this real or isn't it more like what Aaron was saying, you know, let it, let it wash over you, enjoy the journey, but don't think about it too much as it goes along. Mm -hmm. 
Well, in that spirit, let's think about it a little more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so who, My who number one was actually the same as yours. What is real and what isn't? So we kind of talked about that. Aaron? Uh yeah, I want to talk about the one framing device that I actually did enjoy because I'm deeply skeptical about this real unreal stuff, which is in Sid's kind of long voiceover narration beginning. She's um, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Sid. It was uh, Jermaine Oliver. Clement, yeah. Oliver, yep. who's so hot right now. Like especially mm-hmm. his voice. Like he uh, had a kind of a star role in Moana as uh, the, the the giant uh, sea crab. Uh, he was in Lego Batman as one of the villains who I will not spoil. Uh, and I, I really enjoy kind of his off kilter, his, his whole off kilter look. But, um, he, he mentioned there's two types of stories, uh, those that encourage people to feel empathy and those that encourage people to feel fear, like things that try to connect us and things that warn us and divide us. Um, and, I thought that if you look throughout the episode, a lot of these people like Sid and Ptolemy are deciding to, you know, they're trying to decide how to view David. Like, is David a wounded little boy or is David a very dangerous and unpredictable individual who might kill or hurt you without even thinking about it? And I really like that and the fact that they're, you know, challenging uh, – uh, they, they were challenging Sid about the, how she feels about that, and they're you know I think Melanie is also something she's grappling with. Does she have another the eye situation on her hand, and or, uh, and the fact that you know you find out Oliver um, is in this you know really deep trouble. He's like in some kind of like cryogenic support, and his mind is locked away in the astral plane. And is the eye responsible for that? Um, it, it, it I thought it, it gave a lot of stakes, and some of the things I've been you know, I, I was unconvinced about how quickly this relationship was forming and how, like, you know, all these difficulties that were kind of being brushed to the side. I felt like this episode dealt with those. Like, she's, you know, David, she's getting a little bit of distance from David and thinking, what am I doing? Is this guy who I re- who I want him to be or is this guy who he's presenting or, mm. or you know, what she's is She's anxious deal with about him? it. And, it, yeah, like when she's talking to the ex-girlfriend and the ex-girlfriend's like, yeah, I thought I could fix him and... She's like, oh shit, that's yeah, no, right and that, and that's like that's and that that kind of bothered me because some of this stuff I felt like there's no way a normal human would react that way. <laughs> if you brought in this guy and you claimed he's blind and he abruptly takes off his glasses and said that's it and it's like, oh by the way, I want to talk about your ex boyfriend. Like most people's reaction would be like, GTFO. Yeah. All right, I've had enough of this ridiculous. And the then, fact that she yeah. was when she says, uh, you know, oh, what, you know is there any message you'd like to give to it? She goes, tell him they're watching. Yeah. She, yeah. she her voice drops an octave and she's and like, they're watching, you know, at like, that yeah, point that, I might want to, you might want to say, Oh, what do you mean by that? But they just uh-huh. take off. <laughs> uh, huh. yeah. So I was like, okay. And that's, that's another, uh, I guess a log to throw on the nothing's real f- f- fire because, mm-hmm. um, I was like, first I, I was like, you know, that, that that's where I started turning the corner in the episode thinking that this is all a bunch of fake Baluey. But um, baloney. I, I, I have baloney. I have weird. Yeah, I have I have an interesting pronunciation of baloney. Baloney. <laughs> uh, but but I was like, okay, well, I guess I can't hold the. It's, it's I'm of two minds, right? It's like I'm trying to gauge on whether that's a realistic interaction with the human. But then if it's all f- something that's a figment inside David Snow Globe brain, then you know who cares? It can be as stylistic and as weird as they want right. it to be. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I don't want that. I don't want it to get to the point where we're like. 
oh well the, nothing's real so we don't have it's, to relate it's crit- to any of it it's critic proof right it's like a lot of the da- yeah. like david you know i know that's the other thing is like jim hates david lynch right yeah, yeah. and yeah. this episode that's like a lot of criticisms like well if there are no rules you can't say anything's dumb or stupid or bad because it's just a dream man it's and dream it's dream logic. logic and all that right but then so can we can we jump into my number two i i don't mean to skip you jason but this goes perfectly into it go for uh, it I kind of want to know where Potomac's powers begin and end because not only do we have David, who is some sort of astral plane walking, psychic, uh, psychotic apparently, um, but we have Potomac who is both able to go into people's minds and look through their memories, control their memories, rewind, fast forward, pause. Uh, like he's the the VCR of mutants. yeah even even without their conscious or subconscious participation in it right he can actually control that and look through it um, but he also seems to be able to grab an object out of a room and pull the memories out of that as well so not only do you like have the astral plane you have memories I, I mean I, I don't know where we are at any given time whether we're in some other plane, some set of memories, whose memories are they? Like, once you get all these powers in the mix, things start to become very confusing. And how can they work? That's the other thing is, like, and how does that does that interact? Like, if let's say that he is in David's some kind of astral plane situation. Do his powers still work? Because we saw in Sid that she can touch people in the astral plane. Right. But we also see her jack the eye's body. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty good evidence that this is happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was. And I think Patonomy, I mean... It's a mutant power, so... But, yeah, that was a new aspect of it where he can touch an object and see memories. I, I guess just things that happen near that object. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do feel like it behooves... Because we, we've talked about this before, Jim and I, is like when you have a, a science fiction world or a magic-driven world yeah. or superhero-driven world, it behooves the world to establish the rules as quickly as possible because... I always get suspicious when they keep a couple of rules up their sleeve that they're not going to reveal right. because that seems less like cleverness and more like, you know, deus ex machina or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the eye can detect people in the astral plane and do something weird with leeches and paralyze people with a touch. And right. possibly like, take on the form of other people. And, and, and yeah, like, like I don't – I feel like we really pretty damn quick need to nail down exactly what and these people can, can and cannot do or Especially there's no stakes. when there are so many different planes and realities, right? Right. That just complicates matters even more. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's what – like good science fiction fantasy. Like I think The Matrix and at least the first uh, movie did that really well. Like, in, like uh, at the th- third way part of the movie, they quickly establish here's what you can do and here's what you can't do and here's what the one can potentially do. And then they pretty much stay true to that, you know. Um, and then like I feel like even though I have a lot of affection for the series, Harry Potter always – played fast and loose with that because it's like oh here's something you didn't know the wands could do in the fourth <laughs> book and the fifth book and sixth book then also here's a you know here's a whole bunch of bullshit that you didn't know about in the seventh book and <laughs> like okay what you know and so, what else don't i know right right that's always uh hard with magic yeah because it's so open-ended it's hard hard to do it and i think you, this to keep them so they don't seem too powerful, but introduce new things and try to keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, um, let's see. 
I want to go back to what you're saying about um, Sid and and that discussion that she had with uh, the ex-girlfriend. Just to play devil's advocate, I do think that you know we there people stay in relationships that you might think they should get out of all the time, and oh, they're sure. they're enabling. And even the girlfriend staying with David, even though he was a junkie, you know, she probably thought she could help him and he had a few relapses and blew up the kitchen and that was it. But, um, uh, she, I could see Sid feeling like, I mean, for one thing, she's untouchable and he's unknowable and that Mm -hmm. sort of makes them seductively attractive to one another in a way. And I think that's a lot more uh, attractive than if you feel like you've got somebody nailed down and they're just fine and there's no chance of anything ever going wrong. That can just get really boring. So I could see her being really, really compelled. Also, to be even less cynical about it, they're in love. And I, you know, I feel almost like (laughs) we're three guys and we're like, ah, this is stupid. People don't. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes they do. They, They just fall in love like that. And and it can be quick and they have chemistry and you know i mean i always think that there's always going to be nasty surprises when you find out what somebody's habits are or whatever but this is about the romance of it so um mm-hmm. so, well, yeah. The, yeah the other thing that um i think is going on here is that sid's having trouble with you know seeing david having sex with a woman and and knowing yeah. or maybe fearing that that's not like oh this is a guy this isn't an asexual man this is a guy who is 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 can fuck looks like he's good at it and maybe that's something i want and i can never have and something he wants he can never have and what does that mean for our relationship there's a lot of that going on too which like cuz there was a a desperate quality to her questioning of this girlfriend yeah. Like I feel like like if I think if she if she could she'd like to bring her back to the you know to to the facility and hook her up to the thing and like f- you know f- figure out what's what what's going on there but um so yeah it's like it's it's certainly a love story but I don't I don't want to romanticize it because I do think the series is kind of leaning into the uh naivete of it all and the uh, imbalance of, of 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 the relationship and and questioning what kind of relationship it is and whether it's healthy or not. So yeah, it's it's cute and like I said, Dan Dan and the, is it Rachel Keller? Yeah, uh, so. they're they're super cute together. They have crazy chemistry, but I'm also like, okay, if if we're being real kids, <laughs> what what do we got here and and what kind of long term relationship material is, is is here? Well, he's going to end up killing her, so. It won't matter. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. That's just for you comic readers. No, just kidding. Um, so uh, my, I'll go into my number two. So it's duality. There's a lot of duality. There's people switching places and merging and things being conflated and being two sides of the same coin. Uh, like you mentioned, Oliver starts out talking about empathy and fear. And I thought that was interesting because he's saying – Empathy is putting yourself in someone else's shoes, which happens a lot literally in this episode. And then he's saying violence comes from fear and things we don't understand. And then I bring you tonight's play in five acts of Fuzzy Bunny who got too close to the ocean. So I feel like he's saying this is going to be a story about fear because he even said it's the, the it starts out, I think, his first year. Her first words is we are here to talk about violence. 
So that mm-hmm. sounds more like a story about fear. So there's that. There's empathy and fear. There's Carrie and Carrie. I don't know if you guys had that on your list, but we learned a lot more about how they work. Thank God, how, too, because it was yeah. driving me crazy. Although I still have some What'd major you think questions. I... I liked it, and I really liked the visualizations that they did of, like, there's this one scene I thought was so well done where he's brushing his teeth, and they go down to his, like, hand gripping the the, the porcelain of the sink, and then, like, her her hand slips, like, out of the sleeve on top of his, and then yeah. they zoom up. Now they're two separate people. Like, I mean, it doesn't make a lick of sense, <laughs> but they're literally two beings inhabiting one body, and they can – and. Uh, and it's not like an astral thing. Like she's got a real physical body that she can literally just spring out of him. But there is some kind of connection between their two bodies. Mm-hmm. Because like she's when aware, she's fighting, yeah. he's feeling the impacts. He's, he's yeah. going through those motions. And she's too. aware of what he's doing when he's like, she, like she says, I let him do all the boring stuff. She's not unaware of it, but right. she's, uh, but, but she, to the extent that she stays inside of his body, she doesn't age. And mm-hmm. I also liked, you know, that they address the question of like, well, so what happens when he dies? Um, or what, yeah, and, and what's funny is like they, they bring up that question and then he immediately has to confront well, what happens if she dies. Yeah. Like he was worried about like, well, I'll die of old age, but like, you know, she's the, 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 the Kung Fu combat, uh, woman's out there getting shot up, you know? The weird thing, I liked it all too, but the weird thing is why is she, it, she doesn't age unless she's out. So she's so much younger, you know, even less than half his age, mm-hmm. I would say. Why doesn't she right. come out more? Why is she in him all the time? I guess she just wants to come out for the exciting stuff. I thought it was yeah. pretty funny how she just kept talking about fighting the whole episode. Uh, it does make it. It does make her seem like a deadbeat, right? Like, like if you have yeah. a, a little sister who just, who just, who just, she just couch surfs, and you know, mm-hmm. she only comes out like when it's time to club or go to a movie, and like, yeah, you go work and provide for us, and you can even take my shits and showers. Like, I only come, <laughs> I only come out when there's something fun to do. It does. It is a weird, weird relationship. It is. And the one thing yeah, I, I wondered is, does she age mentally? It does not seem like it. She seems younger. Yeah, or stunted. Seem, yeah. Um, yeah. But to directly answer your question, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a very lazy person. So I think if it was possible for me to just hitchhike on someone and let them do, you know, it's like the, the responsibility is, is on their shoulders, then I'd probably, yeah, I'd, I'd probably yeah. do that. Like if someone, you know, like From let me. From nine to five, I'd be, I wouldn't see the light of day. <laughs> Right. Yeah, this yeah. is the perfect opportunity to learn from your own mistakes, right? Like, uh-huh. let's go through this entire life without coming out of this body and see what mistakes it makes, right? And then when it dies off, I can come out of the body full time and not make those same mistakes. I've lived a life already. I I don't know. I I think it's super interesting. It's also kind of a statement on how much of our life is really, you know, the minutia and the boring parts, yeah. right? A lot. Uh, yeah, it's it's apparent by their uh, the dis disparity between their ages it's also oh that's a good point too because I, I remember like looking at a study where they're talking about primitive man actually had much more free time mm-hmm. like they'd spend eight to 16 hours a week directly providing for themselves making clothes hunting and gathering slaughtering cooking and the rest of the time they were free to make art or sing or right. sleep or fuck or do whatever they want so like she kind of accurately you know we spend 40 plus hours doing what the you know the primitive men and women did in, in 8 to 16. So if 
you take that ratio, it, it's kind of to, to her age. It does kind of make sense. <laughs> the, so this guy, Bill Irwin, I mentioned that he plays. He's kind of a body performer, mimer kind of a guy. So I think it makes a little more sense why they got him for this because it was kind of a, him doing physicality, but in a uh, non-action space, so mimicking her movements and stuff like that. That's probably why. Noah Did you think that was cool? Because that was a little in the uh, category of up their ass for me. Hmm. Yeah. Because like, it, it takes Could've away her specialness, right? If he can like essentially ape or puppet her combat pro- prowess, then can she like when 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 he's away and like when and he's doing calculations and stuff can she can she do work on the computers because she's always in the background no. doing kung fu or whatever right. like what i think uh, the that, point was to show that they're really connected so that when she got hurt it would seem pretty tragic for him and i liked when she said what'd she say he makes me laugh and i i per keep him safe him right that was kind of yeah cool. and i think they're actively encouraging us to think about these questions because you know sid asks um the female carrie what you know what she thinks about the situation how she feels about it and she doesn't seem to have much of a response right you know it's it's not she doesn't necessarily view herself as a separate being so Mm -hmm. i I don't know even though they have two separate bodies right she seems yeah that's the other thing it's like it was eight he was eight years old before she manifested for the very first time Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yet she was approximately the same age as he was. That yeah, doesn't make any sense. Well, it might have been like that marks the start of this change, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because it would have been maybe it should have been a little baby, right, <laughs> over in the corner, <laughs> right? Okay, so the other duality was Lenny is Benny. What did you guys ah. think about that? I don't know whether to believe it or not. And also how much, because did you read any of the interviews with Aubrey Plaza? A while back, but I I don't remember. So so this is where, you know, just just a recap, because I think you talked about this on the first episode, but she uh, mentioned that she originally, you know, did not read for this role. She read for the role of Sid and a few others. And he was supposed to be male. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, "Hey, we're, I'm thinking about taking this guy and recasting it, or and and at casting this female." She thought the idea was cool. She goes, "Well, here's the, I'll do it on one condition: you don't change anything about the script, mm-hmm. like everything about him being a man. I want to do, and that's why we were talking about like, what is her sexual orientation? What is that? So all these things where he, you know, he was, um, you know, uh, and that that reveals my own biases because you know I'm seeing her." Uh, it's funny because you see a person who's written as a man being played by a woman and you make these certain assumptions about it. Um, but I'm wondering how much of this duality, how much of this fed back into the scripts because it seems interesting that they make this Lenny Benny type of character. And since it wasn't intended from the beginning to be a gender bending role, then how much did Holly go back and, and change to be like, oh, well, I can do this with this now? And how much of it was like, because think about it, in a world where Benny was a man, like, what's the reveal here? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I was, was wondering that too. Man. I, it's a different man, yeah. which that would be <laughs> no, super. Con- I don't think, yeah. I think the either she was lying in the interview or they changed the story. 
somehow. Hmm. But you know, I, I mean, it's I, true because she's a bit of a troll. I could see her just straight up lying in this this yeah. this press junket. And I to I don't know what do you guys think, but I totally think that actors should lie in interviews rather than him and a ha around things, as so as to not like. Uh, well, shoot, I don't want to say who's lied, but characters on other shows that we watch have just straight up <laughs> lied about their character's fate, and I thought that was much more effective than characters on other shows, kind of hemming and hawing, and then you kind of figured out what happened. Yeah, no, I, I mean, my, I've always, I kind of bemoan a bit the fact that I, I feel like creators and stars overshare about their characters too much, and mm-hmm. it's almost always to the detriment of the work. So I prefer they just to be, you know, just not comment on that. Uh, I mean, you can comment on the challenges of your role and, you know, like how you get, but anytime you start asking people plot, like yeah. questions about plot, I'm like, you know, first of all, why is your interpretation any more valid than mine based on what I see in the screen? And, you know, that I, I, I see, I see that with a lot of shows where they didn't quite make all the connections and then they come in the after shows like, well, here's what you were supposed to think. I'm like, well, that's kind of bullshit. But so what if um, I was an interviewer and I was like, Aaron, I heard that you were getting killed off the podcast next year. What do you have to say about that? I can't comment on that. I guess you'll have to wait Simple. and see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the actors like, seem to feel bad about that, but, don't feel bad. Just say, hey, I don't. I mean, that's the thing because that's the thing. We live in this, this culture where people like the worst thing you can do is spoil something for somebody. But every friggin' interviewer of everybody wants to. What can you tell us about what's coming up? Like, come on, don't even do ask you, that. Yeah, I never ask like that when I do interviews. Never. I don't either because I feel like it's setting the actor up to fail, and it's also not interesting it's it's if if he like it's it's funny it's like what do you want what do you want like aubrey plaza to say like do you want her to tell you (laughs) the final beat of the season yeah this is why i was here like she would be instantly vilified but that's literally what the person's asking her to do so the only reason i would ever want an actor to tell me what's going to happen is if i don't plan on watching the show and i would rather just hear it Right, uh-huh. which I don't think then that, that's not got to be good to hear from. I don't want to. I don't. I just give me the cliff notes, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pissing on your art. Uh, okay, other uh, just real quick, other um, dualities. There's Doctor Pool and the Eye. I, I don't want to go into detail on all these, but um, Sid switching places with the Eye. There was the the one where this is kind of subtle, maybe, but David's sister. She's in that weird cell and she's devouring this meal that she's given voraciously, and then tosses away angrily i thought that was a nice little shift there like it just reminded her of how pissed off she is to be there but she needs it and Mm -hmm. then and that's about it but yeah a lot of two sides of the same coin kind of thing also with um you know the the duality of the way that people are being treated here like you look at melanie's stated goal which is to essentially free david of his fear and um help him heal whereas you look at you know what the eye wants and the eye just wants to control and and instill fear in them you know mm-hmm. exactly definitely two different approaches <laughs> all right where are we oh I'll, I'll go you go uh so i i call i dubbed this cell that the sister was in with dr kissinger the sky cell because it kind of reminded me of the way they they described those in game of thrones um they got this ramp that sloped away from each other and there's a little bit of duality there there's a mirror image and these guys, you know, have to talk between this 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 wall. Um, but the big, so I guess, and this is something that's confusing me as a person who's you know familiar with the way the Marvel universe works and their mutant powers. Um, I feel like they are doing some weird stuff here, where children 
prepubescent children are manifesting mutant powers. Like they imply that because I in in the in one of the things I praised in the very first episode of Legion is how they rarely smoothly showed us this kid who had a very normal upbringing. You know, the hormones start flowing and cop cars start exploding and and then here, like both, um, but uh, b- both uh, the carries are born with a mutant a, a, a power going, and mm-hmm. David seems to. They've implied that he's had a mutant power going. Now maybe, maybe David explained in ways like, "Oh, we're going to find out about this parasite, and he's been along with the whole time, and he hasn't, you know, like uh, he wasn't a mutant. He just had his parasite run." But like, does that? I felt like that kind of violated my understanding of how mutant powers worked in the Marvel Universe. It's not consistent. Some mutants are born with their powers, like Nightcrawler, for example. He looked like that at birth, and I think he could teleport. And then others, most develop at puberty, but not all. Oh, really? Kurt always looked like that? Yeah. Huh. I thought, huh. All right. Well, you got me there. (laughs) so, So there you go. Yeah, I mean... Some of them are born that way. Some of them manifest. Some of them are Maybelline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim? Number three? Yep. yep. Uh, I really want to know what David said that was too much. There's this line in there where, he, you know, he goes back for the evidence in the therapist's office to destroy it. And, and Sid, you know, speculates that there was that one time that he said too much. Or, or, well, no, the doctor, I think, says it. Um, it was kind of their last session. He says too much. I want to know what that is. And what connection does it have with the, what the stars are saying? And and how did it bring all this wrath down on him, you know? Yeah, I think it is about the stars, right? And we have no clue why that would be important. But it seems like that question keeps coming up and nobody wants to answer it. Yeah, but that's that's what it is. And yeah, I, I want to know what that is, too. And also, at first, I thought that the eye had always been posing as this doctor, but I guess not, right? Because then it wouldn't really make sense that David went in there and beat him almost to death into mm-hmm. a coma. So yeah. he just did it at the end at the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we think. Okay. All right. My last point is this guy, Oliver Bird played by Jermaine Clement. As soon as I saw him, I uh, I liked it because I like him and I like Flight of the Concords. But then when he started doing Jermaine Clement-style comedy, it was a little bit jarring. I mean, it was mm-hmm. funny, and I ended up liking it, but it felt a little bit out of place to me because it was so... He's like, hey, dig that groove. Oh, genius, you know, all that, doing the beat poetry and everything. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, uh, he's perpetually stuck in the 70s, I guess, or the 60s. Yeah. He's like Austin you know, Powers, who's never th- thought out. <laughs> right. <laughs> free love still a thing. Yep. And all I that. thought it was pretty good. No, unfortunately, yeah. AIDS came in the 80s and killed it. <laughs> <laughs> Bras are back. He's yep. like, oh. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm glad he's there. I don't even know if I can actually picture him with Melanie unless she's kind of she used to be a little bit more loosened up <laughs> that's the thing you'd have to yeah, you'd have to I, I would like to see some flashbacks with the young melanie uh <laughs> with with the oliver and how their interaction was yeah we need to see that but i am looking forward to to more of him and 
I think he's hilarious. And I was glad. I, I don't. I don't understand what's going on. But this sh- episode had a lot of t- kind of twists and revelations. And one of them was that he's like in their basement, frozen. And I one th- another thing I didn't quite understand is, um, Patonomy said that David has the power to create these uh, alternate realities, and I did on the astral plane. So is Oliver stuck in David's head or is this astral plane some kind of other shared space? Yeah, that's where so just happen I, to meet up. I always understood the Marvel universe concept of the astral plane as being this like connected subconscious like you they we are all connected like even non-mutants and everybody like that's how that's how uh like Professor X kind of surfs surfs the you know using the um uh, uh, shit! What is that thing that he uses? He straps to his head and the he can cere- connect with everybody. Cerebro. Cerebro, and that's how, like you know, uh, you, like a, like a parasite would infect somebody because it's it's this this other layer of existence that we're all connected, and that's how like Doctor mm-hmm. Strange slips out and kind of goes around astral walking. He can still have interactions with people's conscious and subconscious, so it's almost like this back potential backdoor that we all have, but mm-hmm. only some people can can actually reach it. Yeah, that's. I think you're right. I think uh, the way Patonomy described it, it sounded like David created the whole thing, but then the way it actually manifested, was, it sounded more like what you're saying, that they just met in this sort of other dimensional space. Or that he can create, like he could create an astral space that's like kind of like um, Oliver's little ice cube fortress. Like that's something that he's carved out for himself right. that's protected, protects him from others. Um, and David could do that too. Not everyone can. Um but I don't know. Like again, that's like uh, the, some. Sometimes I feel like my comics knowledge leads me astray. But that's that's how I interpreted the I the astral right. plane. Now, what about when he's sitting there trying to activate his mutant power to open a door? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it. It gets a little silly, but I think it's that's like Tobey Maguire trying to figure out his web slingers. I, I liked it too. <laughs> go web go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I want to I want to piggyback on your questions. Um, does Oliver have a mutant power, and is it ice manipulation, or is the the cube freezing in his glass some kind of subconscious awareness of his actual fate in the real world? I like he's cryogenically latter. frozen to for some un- okay because I, I think it's the latter. I think you're yeah, right. yeah. okay. I think so. I was thinking it was a power, but now I think it's what you guys are saying. Well, he's actively trying to get rid of it. He's like, the cold's the one damn thing I can't get rid of, right? Yeah, because it's like it's seeping through his consciousness is yeah. uh, into his subconscious. The fact that he's he's sitting there essentially frozen in this right. in this uh, big daddy rig from uh, <laughs> uh, with Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, that's another little piece of style they got in there. Uh-huh. Um, are we through our points? Well, there's one thing are... I want to talk. I want to talk through what? the ending of the episode, which I thought was actually heading towards being pretty clever. Like, uh-huh. you know, that like uh, uh, here, Carrie's been talking shit about punching somebody this whole episode and like she gets unleashed. But I, I also don't understand, like, OK, are they supposed to take them alive or not? Because if they are, then why are they hosing this thing down at waist high level? And then if they're. If they're not taking them alive, then why are they humoring this little girl by not just yeah, – they all have guns strapped to their back. Like, Why are they doing like one-on-one kung fu with her? Um, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of dumb. But then the way that Sid uses her powers to jack the eye I thought was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. 
and then like David being able to remanifest at the exact wrong time. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. But they do this thing where. Um, wait, wait, hold up. That that was Lenny's fault too. And I was thinking, oh, did Lenny do something good by forcing him into action? But she was being a little. She was uh, that was malicious because she knew that he would go and attack uh, the eye. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, so that's a, that that was that was the other thing when Jim was asking about, um, you know, what this thing that he can't tell is, or what what he shouldn't have said is. I wonder if that was he had revealed something about the nature of the parasite inside him mm-hmm. that the parasite mm. then made David cover up. Um, right. So yeah, that's I actually didn't get that point, but you're right. It does seem like Lenny manipulated him into doing the wrong thing. Yeah. The thing that was frustrating to me was that it seemed like Sid could have said something that only they intimately would have known that would have, that would have quickly resolved this. Like, you know, um, this trope of like, oh my God, who's the real one and who's not? Like she could have said something that would have made like at least David pause instead of actively trying to, uh, you know, fig- assist the eye. And I was really frustrated. Anytime I feel like, and I try to think like, well, she just did get in a car wreck. Maybe she's too discombobulated yeah. to think. Yeah. But they didn't really play like she was that messed up. Like she was still kind of in control of her faculties. So like I, that's always frustrating when it seems like something could be resolved if people just open their mouth and say something yeah. and it doesn't. Like uh, we switched bodies, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know that thing where we switch bodies. We switch bodies. How do I know it's you? She could then say <laughs> like something to only you know. Surely they've got something that only the, uh, he and her know. You don't know of any moles I have because we've never touched each other. <laughs> or yeah, that's that's like this. What's the one thing you enjoyed most about switching bodies with me? Like you know, what's oh, the right. I going to say about off. that? <laughs> <laughs> did you did you play with my dick when you were in my body? Like, no. I guess that's a fifty fifty guess though, right? <laughs> right? I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, dick was definitely chafed when I got it back. Um, but they did figure it out relatively quickly they did well but that's because ultimately the power is switched back which right, seemed like we, we on the fast the side body does actually transport it, they did clear so, that up but uh-huh. like didn't didn't you get the impression that there was a, a some like hours that passed before when they switched bodies the original a couple time? hours yeah and then this was like maybe 10 minutes maybe 15 mm-hmm. sometimes it's different yeah, I guess well, they're, we don't they're, know how much time passed. But. Yeah, that goes back to my I wish they would really nail this stuff down quick because I think that's also mm-hmm. um, it's creative weakness not to do it, but it's also creative strength if you do because you're going to have more inventive storytelling if you put constraints on your narration that that you can't get the you can't ever take the lazy way out. How yeah. long does it take to become a zombie? Well, there, there's a number one example of, you know, yeah. like lazy storytelling cemented into the, the premise. <laughs> Anywhere from three minutes to three days. Right. <laughs> Depending on the narrative. Uh, right. I actually thought they were go- I thought they were going to take Sid back to Summerland, which we would find out, you know, we would actually know was the eye. Yeah. And then he would have the true location of David. Right, which is the thing that they That's were worried wanted. about last episode. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I was hoping would happen, but they just kind of switch bodies back. Well, that's still on the table if this is all in astral or if this is all <laughs> right. David's memories. But then again, like, why are the powers working the way you would imagine them to work? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Because makes she, it real. 
And does Carrie have any powers beyond just being, you know, obsessively, uh, you know, kung fu, like in her, in, her, in her copious spare time? She must have some level of invulnerability to burst through a second story window. Oh, ah, that's true. Right. That's true. Think. But she did seem like she, she went down, like five, five normal dudes took her down pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't seem like she could do anything against those and guys. And then lifted right. her up. They right. crowd surfed her right. after all that bravado. Right. That's what. Yeah. That's what I was a little was. disappointed in Carrie's ultimate manifestation. <laughs> I had a couple of random points. So Sid now has long gloves and long sleeves. I noticed. Thank. Oh, yeah. Good for they her. shored up her her uh, bicep weakness. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we saw Kissinger locked up, which makes me think that somebody is just wiping the memories of clockwork right mm-hmm. people and i wonder uh, if david's therapist won't be somewhere in that facility as well oh pool dr pool yeah dr pool mm-hmm. right all locked up um let's why see. would the why would you lock these people up rather than eliminating them like the, his sister i understand because of the leverage but like if you're a vast shadowy government organization has the ability to wipe people's minds of someone's existence in the real world, why would yeah. you keep that person alive? Because it seems like unless unless they actually make something of this later, his his purpose only serves to give you know, to 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 allow his sister to have a role other than screaming in her cell and wolfing down hot dogs or whatever uh, <laughs> while she's being imprisoned. Because like, in the, in, if, if why, why would they keep him alive? What's the per- like his sister? I get because there's leverage there. You can control David because he doesn't want to see his sister come to harm. This uh-huh. Dr. Kissinger, he's just a liability, a straight up liability. It seems as far as we know. Yeah. I mean, maybe he, they think he has some information about David that can help them, but, or maybe they're going to use him to manipulate a sister like somehow mm-hmm. and, to helping them like I, I guess there's there's room for an end game there what i thought was interesting is they had those cells and it looked like a, a cutaway just so we could see them but then someone walked by and you realize it actually is cut away like that yeah <laughs> ah, right yeah the pane of glass there uh okay i had one last question for you guys so what david is pretty psychologically unstable so how do you see this playing out in the long run will he get more and more sane and more and more powerful or it seems like that would uh get kind of boring wouldn't it well it depends you know this is like a question i ask about a lot on the game of thrones podcast like you know what is george martin playing at like is this fundamentally a happy ending or is this fundamentally a tragedy Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a happy ending, then I would expect him to get more and more control and more and more powerful and be able to get, you know, actual have a close relationship with people. Um, but on the other hand, if it's a, if it's a tragedy, then, then no, this is going to head, it's going to head to dark <laughs> places. I mean, I could see him getting his shit together more and becoming more powerful, but then still not being completely under control. So he's actually more dangerous than he is right now uh-huh. and even we've seen flashes of sort of supervillain like behavior from him so that might come more into play yeah and i don't know that the two things are mutually exclusive like he could potentially get his powers very much under control but not be able to tell reality from fiction as right. well and you know right. people people will say well how do you make a story where you essentially tell the the viewpoint of the villain well they do that all the time like breaking bad sure uh, yeah. sopranos 
Uh, like yeah. none of those were were happy, positive things, and things just got worse and worse all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, your catharsis is where you found it. So like, I could totally <laughs> I, like I, there's an in game like you know legion presiding over the destruction of this of, of all of his friends and turning evil and then like the, the the sliver of hope is like professor xavier who's previously unintroduced in a series beginning the x-men to combat this threat or like there's like a lot i mean there's a lot of different end games this thing could go with have davy at a fundamentally evil or malevolent force that would be interesting but you guys it sounds like you guys your your interest in this show just dropped a level well, I, I'm not I'm not super interested in engaging with it on a on a very like detailed level. What I'm more interested in is kind of enjoying it as enjoying it, it as it goes along. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll which just, is bad for podcasting, but yeah. great for my enjoyment. I'm I'm gonna try to articulate it too. Is that like um, this show wants you to week by week say, oh, is it is it real? Is it not real? Here's the evidence for, here's the evidence right, against. What about right. the goat? What about the wolf? And like, man, mm-hmm. I've done that so much in the last five years yeah. that um, it's – it's and, and, and the other thing is I've been burnt by it so much. Right. Like, right. you know, I've seen shows that like some – it's funny because like just when I was about to throw my hands up and say if a show does this again, I'm out, then Westworld comes along, <laughs> which I felt mm-hmm. rewarded every little bit of exploration and minutia and navel-gazing and paid off handsomely. Before that, I was on a really down run of like I was kind of disappointed in the way Fargo season two went. I was very disappointed in the way season two of Mr. Robot went. I was really down on season two of True Detective and even season one of True Detective, which I think is a success. Less than half of the foreshadowing and whatnot actually paid off in that show. And the stuff that was rewarding was the characters and the performances and the plot development. Right. So mm-hmm. which I I think this show has enough humor style uh action you know thrills and character that we can talk about all kinds of stuff besides just trying to figure out what's real yep oh yeah i'm with you yeah cool that's why i really like jermaine clement being in here is because Mm -hmm. i like like once i could get like laughing at his you know dancing and and like you know revealing legion's only weaknesses beat poetry and (laughs) improvisational (laughs) jazz Yeah, like that's like I I I really dug that like as it was a way to get out of the seriousness of the show and like kind of the claustrophobic yeah. uh, is it real or not real kind of stuff and just enjoy mm-hmm. it as as entertainment. Same way like when they were dancing at the uh, facility in a very Wes Anderson way, I really dug that because in an otherwise unhinged episode, it was Noah uh, Holly inviting us to just purely revel in the enjoyment of seeing something fun and pleasurable. Awesome. All right. Shall we move into listener feedback? Yeah. Okay. I'll go first. This is from Rima Joe who says, I liked getting the story of Carrie slash Carrie and was devastated when she was shot at the end and how it affected Carrie. This is one of the things I love about the show is I already love these characters and care about them. I love how each episode we learn more and more about David's powers and what he's capable of. So badass. I'm not familiar with the backstory as some are, but I'm completely caught up and love where the story's going. Normally when a show leaves me confused and not having a clue what is going on, I would drop it like a bad habit, but not this show. I'm hooked. I think you guys are doing a great job with the show and look forward to hearing what you have to say. And thanks, Aaron, your paper mache reference for Killer Boy helped a little, but he's still creepy as hell. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I laugh. I laugh at every single time he pops up with a knife. Just, yeah. just laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, I'll go next. Laku. Hey guys, really quick note. My husband worked in a lockdown psych facility as a nurse. You guys have mentioned a quote unquote hurried speed of the relationships between Sid and David in a situation where they started dating. Just wanted to mention that it happens like that on a frequent basis in a locked psych facility. People decide they're going out and done is done. And also just isn't just young people. It can be middle-aged or older people as well. I'm not saying it's normal and I'm not saying it's the best writing for a show, but it does happen and with frequency. My husband had many stories from his tenure time as a psych nurse, and some of them were relationships that blossomed like that, and I wanted it to uh, pass it on. That makes sense if you have kind of unstable people, and you put them in a situation where they're thrown together for a indefinite period of time that, like, you know, why not reach out for human comfort where you can find it? And damn the consequences, because you're not thinking on that level anyway. Jim? Mofavo. Is that how you say this? Mm-hmm. Who would have expected the realization that David's family did not have a pet dog to be so creepy and impactful? Yeah, uh, I think they used it to pretty good effect. Those dogs, they're parasites, even in the best of circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> they're it's essentially all the like... better than it wasn't real. <laughs> they're the female carrier. They just sleep, and they, they let you yeah. do all the feeding, all the working. Uh-huh. They just lay around until something awesome happens, yeah, and then w- they're all about w- it. W- wake me up when it's time to bark at the mailman or when it's time <laughs> right. to go on a walk. Otherwise, you, you go ahead and do all that working, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when Nico wants a dog, I'm just going to have him watch this and tell him to get a dog like that. <laughs> oh, all yeah, right. make him seem like all dogs are psychic parasites that will actually kill you. Yeah, that'll 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 fix him up on dogs for real. <laughs> yeah, there was that like <laughs> that shot from underneath the dog's face that was really menacing. Yeah, the slave this the slobber and a slaver. Oh, then you can show yeah. him you can show him Pet Cemetery, and then you can show him right. Cujo. Uh dog, then you can Dog's evil. Then you can then you can show him you can ram down old Yeller and uh, what's that what's that one the recent one about like so it's even a best bound that's <laughs> not recent that no, was it was it but there was one that had like uh, Owen Wilson in it about the you know where the dog ends up dying at the end like even best case right. scenario they're gonna die and break your heart so yeah I just want to get him to where every time he sees a dog he bursts into tears right yeah oh, God you properly condition him yes right. against having okay. pets. Uh, Lara Willie Swink says, hi, guys, you really don't want to know what cramps feel like, <laughs> and you especially don't want to experience childbirth. Correct. Maybe maybe it's because I'm a chick, but I would not go, quote, exploring in a body swap situation. That would freak me the hell out, but I can understand in the self-service lane, girls got the better deal. <laughs> really? It's debate. That's the thing. You can't say that. Like yet, like you can't tell me what cramps feel like. I can't tell you what getting kicked in the balls feel like. And it's not a competition, but like, (laughs) I mean, like, like if if if, I don't know if it gets better than jerking off, I guess I I would rather not know. But yeah, unless you could just stay in the same girl's body forever. Right. Right. Yeah. We're not swapping back. I found out it's better (laughs) and uh, uh, keepsies. Possessions nine tenths of the law. Oh, Beat it. <laughs> I, I have a story. Should I tell the story? Uh, I guess I'll tell it. So, um, I you know I always like 
No, I'm not going to say I guess. No, no, this is good. This is good. We All can right, edit right. it out. We can edit so, it out. No yeah, one's here. No, right, it's just okay, us okay, three okay, here. So, I, you know, most people when I was young, most guys got circumcised, including myself, TMI. Uh-huh. But So mm-hmm. I've always wondered, like, dude, that sucks. You, you know, I got a piece of me cut off, and now I don't know what it's going to be like What it, if I lost a lot of sensation. Totally. And, I've had yeah. exactly – yeah, Ned, you're, 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 you're in good company. I've, I've wondered that myself. If I was intact, would sex be that? much better right you'll never know so a buddy of mine he was not circumcised and uh, i think last year he got this infection so he had to get circumcised at like 40 something years old Mm -hmm. and i still haven't asked him but i gotta ask him now yeah but see i've heard that people obviously say it's not as good but there's also the fact that if you get it done as a baby like so many of your nerve endings haven't mapped themselves that like Mm. it's it's still impossible to say one-to-one whether Right. You know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it would still be interesting to get his reaction. I got to just figure out a way to ask him that won't freak him out. <laughs> just do it. Just do it, man. Just, do, just it. do it. So about uh, your dick. Yeah. <laughs> how's the how's the slanging work now that you're uh you're 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 you're, you're guys you're, you're you've been skinned. <laughs> All right, cool. I'll quote you guys. So then uh, what does she say? Lastly, no, no. I empathize with Sid and wanting to help David. Like a lot of real life relationships, when you love someone, you want to help fix them and say you'll love them no matter what. No different than your run of the mill romance, except that Sid is actually there in his head face to face with that past. Lastly, I have a bread box <laughs> and Jim and the holograms was the best. Well, there's Why one person. Why do you have a, so do you, okay. Why do you have a bread box? Does the bag not work? I mean, is and also is this a modern hermetically sealed bread box? Sealed. Like, is if this is a Tupperware thing, then I get it. I'm talking about the old fucking tin stamped out, letting air in left and right, not sealed up. Not. Do you like croutons? Do, yes. <laughs> does it? Does it just? Am I right? In like a does it is essentially a slow moving crouton machine. <laughs> you load bread in one end, out pops stale, crumbly bread the other. Let us know. Yeah, that's incomplete information, Laura. And then she closes by saying, you guys are producing a great show. Just a few thoughts from a double X Cromer. Uh, Ray says, I don't know much emailing, but I had to drop a line to you guys. I've been trying my hardest to give the show a chance. Thank you for giving genuine criticisms and analysis of the show instead of knee-jerk praise. Hmm. Some points. You are correct. Episode 3 provided no plot movement. Also, the quote-unquote romance between Sid and David seems painfully immature for their age group. Along these same lines, one of you even said, agreeing with me, that having a girlfriend that you can't touch would be an utterly absurd arrangement. It's past time for David to move on. Finally... And this is touchy. Are any of the characters on this show likable as opposed to grading? I almost wish a kill team would strike Summerland and depopulate the camp completely. Am I off base? Well, I think... I actually like several of the characters. I, so, think, uh, I think David and Sid are very appealing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's... it's uh, it, the, the, the jury's still out about whether they're ultimately long-term compatible, but... Uh, I'm on Patonomy's side when it comes to questioning David, like right. whether he's an asset or something to fear. Uh, you know, Sid seems to have some kind of insight, but I, I don't know. I like Patonomy a lot. Well, you know, that's the other thing is like I'm uh, my romantic thing uh, is informed by I grew up in the age where like Gambit and Rogue were a thing, mm-hmm. and I kind of like I buy into the whole like uh, you know uh, if you can't touch each other, like what does that mean? What kind of relationship you have? And if you finally do, isn't that going to be amazing? And also growing up in 
the uh, very fundamentalist church that I, I belong to, well, we also weren't allowed to like do a lot of touching, holding, kissing, certainly not sex. So I get it. I, I get I get the romance beyond the whole like you know no touching and intimacy without physical intimacy as a crutch and like I I, I, I see that I see the appeal of that mm-hmm. long term on her uh, side where she's she wants to know him and he's so complex and mysterious yeah mm-hmm. he's so complicated <laughs> and they just added another this episode with uh, Oliver Oliver's a character I think I'm gonna like a lot mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Patonomy too. Pretty much like all of them. Yeah, I don't <laughs> okay. like the carries. I'm out on the carries. Out on the carries. Yep. yep. I was I was waiting for Kung Fu Kung Fu Lady to actually do some Kung Fu and she let me down. So now <laughs> you, you 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 got old busted up CTI or you know cat scan machines and you you all you've you practice all your life to do Kung Fu and you, you you can't do Kung Fu. So the carries, I'm out on the carries. Meh. <laughs> exactly <laughs> alright that is it for the main part of the episode we'll have some news and a little bit about next week or after this but for now if you want to get in touch you can email us at legion at baldmove.com and you can also find us on the web at facebook.com slash legion pod and be sure to check out our other shows at baldmove.com and podcastica.com added it back in yeah we snuck back in there this week I'm, I'm <laughs> happy right. about that that's right <laughs> All right, so this episode was directed by Larissa Kondraki, who has also directed episodes of Halt and Catch Fire, The Americans, The Walking Dead, the episode where they first met Aaron in the barn, and a couple episodes of Better Call Saul, like Fifi, where there was a four-minute opening scene of that smuggler's truck. So getting some good talent. Uh, I'm wondering where Michelle McLaren, if she'll pop up. Maybe she's too big now, but... That'd be cool. Next, I see Legion is in the top TV shows on iTunes in the sci-fi fantasy category right now. They're the number one with Walking Dead at number two. Huh. That's kind of cool. That's surprising, Next. actually. I think it's just for right now because uh, it's probably hand curated. Not, not much else is on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, and then finally, uh, there was interview with. Bill Irwin, who plays Carrie on uprocks.com. Let's see. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but they asked, uh, what's Carrie's view of the other Carrie? He says it's much more parental, although we're not father-daughter, but that mythos is in there somewhere. I'm concerned that she gets the sustenance she needs. We need to be locked together inside of each other for sustenance to happen. So that makes me, what? Like, they need to be together to eat? That's what it sounds, sounds like. like it. So yeah. they, this, she can't eat without him, and vice versa. I mean, he could be wrong about that, but hmm. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if she couldn't eat without him. It seems like she's more dependent on him, but this makes it sound like it goes both ways. Interesting. So, like, you know, she's the there's like you know when you have like um, conjoined twins, you've got the uh, sometimes you have where they're sharing. And then sometimes you have like where the one is more parasitic, where they don't have a standalone system. So right. like, is that she's the more parasitic? She's the couch surfer of. She has no intestines. Right. She has no intestines or stomach. Um, and her kung is fu gland is dead? way no, overdeveloped. Right. <laughs> right. She's basically no good at all. Uh, <laughs> so is she uh, dead? 
I don't think so. She shot through the freaking shoulder. shoulder that's blade, that's TV yeah. for I'll be up and kung fu in next week. Yeah. Right. Last, next week on Legion, Chapter 5, David faces a new threat. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Because <laughs> that's all I got. Did you see any teasers or anything? I didn't. Yeah, no, we, I so we watched this it. exclusively through the FX app, um, and it this week didn't have, like usually in the extras there is a, a preview for next week, and it didn't have it. Uh, hmm. So I wasn't able to even 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 watch it. So it could be now, it could be they're just not showing because they don't want any spoilers or, but, uh, so you're saying last night's showing did not actually have a next on, or you said the iTunes, however you're watching, it didn't have it either. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it at the end. It just showed a little, just generic Hmm. thing. (laughs) So we have no idea what's going to happen, which is pretty much fine with me. I I just want to watch it. All right, then I think we're about talked out this week. Thanks, you guys. All right, bye-bye. It was fun.